the first rule of Fight Club. Talk about Fight Club. This is the Fight Club podcast with Brad Lewis and Stephen Foote. Kia ora, Fight fans, and welcome to the Fight Club podcast. Brad Lewis, co-host here, alongside my sparring partner, Stephen Foote. Very cool show for you today, where the majority of it will be taken up by former WBO heavyweight champion, Joseph Parker, um, who I spoke to uh, on Monday. Um, we'll play that back for you. Uh, Joe, currently in Las Vegas, uh, he went to the Lomachenko fight uh, on Sunday, and he's heading to Conor McGregor's fight against Dustin Poirier next week, and he's also there for Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury 3, so uh, he's a very busy man in uh, training training camp there with Tyson Fury. Um, we'll catch up with Joe uh, very, very shortly. Remember, guys, you can like and subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Um, you can also check us out at newshub.co.nz, uh, so www.newshub.co.nz slash podcasts. Click on the Fight Club link. Footy, how are you? Yeah, great. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Kind of kind of counting down to, the, uh, to McGregor, Poirier, third. everything kind of seems to be leading towards that, doesn't it? Yeah, but absolutely. It's still, still um, plenty to keep us going. Interesting, uh, and you'll hear this a bit later on, Joseph Parker keeps in regular communication with, uh, with Connor's coach. Um, quite Kavanaugh and Andy Ke- Lee are apparently oh, right. quite close. So, uh, okay. yeah, um, and he said he's been recently talking to, to John and said that, that Connor just seems a little bit more focused yeah. for this fight. I so. wonder how Joe's takedown defense is. <laughs> I actually asked him about that and whether or not he'd be keen to fight Francis and Gano inside <laughs> a cage. His answer is quite hilarious. Um, so, yeah, that's a big feature of the pod today, guys. Uh, Joseph Parker, he'll be coming up very, very shortly. Um, we'll also look at uh, this the pre this weekend just gone the UFC cards but first before we get to Joe uh, Footy just want to touch with you on Jenna Fabian um, Mm. in PFL she has qualified for the playoffs which I think commence uh, next month Uh, no easy tasks though against the undefeated double Olympic champion Kayla Harrison oh man I mean I guess if you want that one mil you've got to beat her at some stage right so gosh semi-final or final what have you I mean it's going to be tough absolutely but man I mean Jenna just looks so much better than she did two two years ago you can see it in body she just looks trimmer way more compact with their striking um, just way too technical for old um, Julia Pajic um, who, kind of who outclassed a, her who was a by all accounts a legit Muay Thai striker as well Pajic and uh, Jenna just took her to school she and didn't have much to picked offer. her apart and that's what I was when I was watching the fight I was like where is this girl's like vaunted mm. offense like she got knocked out um, in, in by Pacheco in her first uh, fight in the tournament um, this is uh, Pajic did um, in like a matter of seconds um, and, and Pacheco's had made the finals along with um, Jenna and Kayla so uh, yeah interesting I think Caitlin Young might be the other girl that's in the, in the finals mm. um, so mm. Big, big task for Jenna. She's probably going to have to beat the two best girls in the competition to qualify for the well to make to win the tournament, win the million dollars, and put herself. Uh, I mean, if she can, put, if she can be the first person to knock off Kayla Harrison, that's a Holly Holm moment. You know, when when yeah, Holly, Holly when Holly knocked off Ronda Rousey, she she got you know she got double the Instagram likes over <laughs> overnight. So if if Jenna can knock off and Kayla Harrison, look, she's not on Ronda Rousey territory in terms of superstardom, but she's certainly in the conversation as one of the top women's mixed martial artists on the planet. She's got to be one of Dana White's biggest targets at the moment for sure. And I mean, you know, you, you got to think that year off where the PFL didn't happen last year because of, you know, ob- obvious reasons. It's kind of helped her. She, she's definitely used that time wisely. She looks much crisper on the feet. Um, takedown defense, her all-around grappling game. She hasn't ha- had to use a lot of it so far, but... 
but mm. you can kind of tell she's she's just a a better all round package in, mm. in general and just more comfortable being in a cage. You know, she's obviously had that kickboxing Muay Thai background, yeah. and now she kind of looks really at home and at ease in a cage. And you know, credit to the city kickboxing guys. And um, she's guys, she's been based in Vegas as well, I think, recently, where she's been working with Ray Serfour, mm. um, who is obviously the president at PFL, and embraced her at the end of the fight, which I thought was yeah. really cool. Yeah, they've definitely got some investment there, and I can kind of you have to think they they see some star power in Jeddah. You know, she's, she's got, got a bit of character personality. She's got the looks, um, and you know, nice little nod there to Falvake <clears throat> at the end with the with the point to the heavens, and you know, I'm, man, I'll be tuning in really keenly to see how she goes against Kayla. And but obviously, that's a whole another world, especially on the mat, where you think that she has to stay on her feet to have any real chance of of winning that. And if she can, look, Kayla is a decent striker, but her game is a top game where she just overwhelms people, much like Rousey in her heyday. Uh, so yeah, look, if, if Jenna can keep the fight standing, she's definitely the favourite. That's a much easier task uh, than it sounds just uh, the words coming out of my mouth. Um, but but yeah, like, uh, look, very impressed. She had that, that city, I call it that city kickboxing flow. Like, you know, like you see it in Izzy, you see it in Mike Diamond, you see it in Carlos Ulberg. Uh, where they sort of flow between, uh, you know, Southpaw and Orthodox. And, you know, like she hid that kick, that head kick for the entire fight. She threw a couple of body kicks and a few front kicks. But that's the first head kick she threw and um, completely um, fooled Pajic with it. And um, that's just that sort of fight IQ that these CKB guys have that's firmly implanted deep into their training, right? Where don't show everyone, don't show these guys what you've got. Um, early on, you know, bring it out later in the mm. fight, and uh, really enjoyed watching her progress. I'm, I'm enjoying watching her progression as a fighter, and also just that performance is what she was looking for. You know, she she knew she got the job done on her first fight against Sanchez, uh, Laura Sanchez, I think, but she really needed to to step it up, get the finish, and guarantee herself a spot in the semifinals. Yeah, yeah, just a smart fighter, as as with all those CKB guys. And Anthony Pettis losing again. Oh man. Yeah. Rough. Career. Poor rough. Tough going, optics for, for, for Showtime. Going down the toilet, Anthony Pettis, uh, which is a real shame because he was such a thrill seeker. It was just a fighter that you had to watch when he was um, you know, on the, mm. on the cover of the Wheaties uh, cereal box and he was the one of the UFC's biggest stars for a, for a cup of coffee. Hey, and I mean, I don't think you'd be he'd, – he'd, I don't think you can really begrudge him too much, I think, if he steps away. You know, at the end of the season, as they call it, the PFL season, yeah. um, he, he he can look back and reflect on a pretty damn good career. I kind of like footy, before we get to Joe Parker, who's coming up very shortly, I kind of like the mix that we have at the moment. So you've got the UFC, which is your standard, um, you know, everyone fights for rankings, right? And, and, and it's that push towards either a super fight or a title fight. Bellator has Grand Prix, right? Where, you know, like mm. they do have their fights in between where, you know, um, there's matchups, but a lot of their focus is on, on two or three Grand Prix a year and PFL has their season. So there's there's a there's a, actually quite a decent mix between the organizations in the US, the main organizations. You know, one championship does its own thing as well uh, where, it, you know, has some interesting fights between in the lower series. weight classes and the super series and what mm. have you. And, um, you know, Bellator obviously with the Grand Prix and also puts in a bit of kickboxing. So it's quite cool, the mix that we're getting at yeah, the moment. Yeah, it's a nice bit of variation. You, you need a unique selling point to really stand out. I mean, yeah, this, you know, to, to really get your name out and, and to pull some sort of um, viewership away from the USC. But yeah, you're right. It's a pretty good balance these days. And, you know, you saw a lot of people after, you know, that PFL card was 
pretty outstanding I to be that. fair yeah. it was great and I think a lot of people are cutting on to that and you saw a lot of chat on social media with guys saying hey I mean you know are, are they at Bellator's level now like who is the real second contender here in North America you know you can talk about one championship obviously that's more Asian based trying to get their foothold and it's still in the, in the US and it's still in the early stages there but I mean either way you can't complain can we I mean I'm, I'm not one for saying hey this one's better than the other because at the end of the day it's all mixed martial arts and that's all we really want well I've really enjoyed about Anthony Pettis' departure from the UFC, you've seen this with other fighters, is, and Tyron Woodley's kind of got along the same same links as he moves into boxing, is that, you know, you see a lot of these guys like Cyborg just completely blast the UFC for their business practices and Dana White, whereas Pettis has been like, they made me rich. You know, yeah. I got no issues with the UFC. I just wanted a different challenge, you know, like I found it was time for me to move on and Tyron Woodley said the same thing, you know, like, yes, I would have want to get paid more money, but the UFC made me millions of dollars. They made my, they made me not have to work again in my life. I just get kind of sick and tired when you see Cyborg come out every, after every person posts on Twitter about their pay, oh, come to Bellator, it's great, they look after their fighters, it's like, you know, mm. why weren't you saying that when you're in the UFC? It's all relative to MMA, isn't it? It's yeah. all relative to the sport, it's not boxing, it's no. a completely different level, and you see the guys who make the millions in boxing, they're few and far between, 100%. it's a huge drop off from those guys to the, to the next tier, and you know, when you look at it as a whole, it's fairly competitive, I mean, obviously it could be better. And, you know, these guys are putting their, their livelihoods on the line for mm -hmm. us to, to enjoy. But, you know, what are you going to do with all these guys, with all these promotions really coming through the ranks now? you got to think there is going to be a lot more money to come or go around. And mm -hmm. so everyone wins here. You know? All right. Time now on Fight Club to catch up. Uh, I believe this might be his debut on Fight Club, certainly for me interviewing him. So uh, looking forward to this. Uh, it's Joseph Parker, the former WBO heavyweight champion out of his uh, his. Um, I guess, you know, his home at the moment in Las Vegas where he's, him and his family are spending the next couple of months. Joseph Parker on the Fight Club podcast. The Fight Club podcast. Hard hitting and body slamming. How are things <laughs> with you, man? How, how's, um, how's Vegas for a start? Vegas is good. Uh, we've settled in. Uh, we... It's, it's great to be here in training camp with, with Tyson Fury for his fight coming up with John Tavard on 24th of July. But it's great to have my family here. I'm training every day with them and the camp and with Andy Lee as well. But it's good to come home every day and see my wife and my kids. It's, uh, it changes the whole uh, camp setup, you know what I mean? What, what do you learn off Tyson in terms of, um, not, not in the ring, Joe, but just about who he is and what makes him tick? Do you, do you, get, do you sort of rub off on, on that in terms of, of what makes Tyson tick upstairs? Yeah, just being around. Just being around and seeing how, you know, seeing how he trains, seeing the, the work that he puts into training, how hard he trains, mental toughness. I think just being, being around that, I'm feeding off it, you know what I mean? And it's uh, it's great to have Andy Lee here at the camp as well. Like so, I'm feeding on both of them because they're both. You know, Andy Lee was a world champion. You got Tyson champion at the moment and preparing for a big fight. So just being around this environment, you know, of everyone want, everyone wanting to be better each day. It's it's a great um, camp to be in. Those Gypsy King uh, sparring sessions are famous uh, for for their brutality. Have you seen any of that going on? And Tyson, uh, you know, like I'm um, going toe to toe with some of his sparring partners. I've seen a few sparring sessions. Yeah, I, I've only joined camp for a week now, so I've seen a few sparring sessions. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it's just great to be around and just see. You know, it's it's just no different to the camps that we have, but it's just uh, I don't know. How can I explain it? It's just um, it's just being here and being around it and seeing how everything unfolds. That's the you know 
and there's there's some great sparring partners. Yeah, I think once I get my week of training with Andy, I'm gonna jump into the sparring with those sparring partners he has here. Um, so, and so in, ter in terms of you, have you got anything in the pipeline? I know that um, your management team is, is looking at options for you in terms of, of promotion, but um, are you training for a fight or are you, do, you have, do you have a fight that you want? Um, is there something that we don't know about, like just in terms of, of what's next for Joe Parker? Uh, our our three-fight deal with Matchroom has finished um, with their last fight with Chisora. Yep. So at the moment, David Higgins is working on another deal um, I'm not sure if it's a one-fight deal or a three-fight deal. Matchroom has offered us a rematch with Chisora, which we'll take in a heartbeat. we just got to get the the deal right that everyone's happy with. But I think they, they said to us maybe October or November. So I think as soon as we can lock in a deal that we all agree on, then uh, you know we can get that fight going again. And I think that'll be the big telltale. If I do have a rematch and see the improvements, whether I improve or whether I stay the same, um, that'll be a big telltale whether I still have it or not. <laughs> hey, Joe, I've watched um, all your fights since, you know, sort of back in the, um, you know, the, the Solomon Hamono fight, pretty much like dating back to that. And I noticed um, a lot of changes in you in the Andy Lee fight, like just little technical things and your cardio was as good as it's been. And I guess back-to-back -back camps may have helped that. But um, did, did you, going back and looking at that fight, did you see things that were different? Like um, you just, I don't know, you just, you seem to remain calm and, and not get overexcited. And as I said, your cardio stuck with you for all 12 rounds yeah it's uh i'll tell you the biggest change in changing camps was um that camp really drained me mentally i knew i only had five weeks or six weeks with andy before the fight but the whole setup was different from the last camp to this camp um and then just the intensity of what we do in the boxing um session it's like uh, before i used to do shadow boxing as a warm-up you know, three rounds of warming up and then skipping, bag work, pad work. But the shadow boxing that I do in this new camp, it's like I do four rounds and I'm already exhausted because that's because my mind is just so, I don't know, just focused on trying to get everything right, stepping right. The hand, like, we practiced the whole camp doing this and then the first punch just sort of threw, my, my shoulder was down here. So, you know what I mean? So, there's a lot of things that I still have to work on, but just seeing just that five or six weeks that we had together and seeing the improvements and changes, positive changes. I feel like more time with Andy and more time with Tyson and more time with the new team will be very beneficial. And I, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm in a great place. I, I'm very happy with, I'm, I'm happy with life. I'm happy with camp and I'm happy with all the training that I'm doing. All that build up with, with Andy and everything that he taught you and you go and you're there and you, as you said, you get knocked down with the first punch of the fight. Were you more yeah. worried about what Andy was going to say to you in the corner when you went back? Because you recovered pretty quickly, almost straight away, uh, almost like a flash knockdown, so to speak. But yeah, were you a bit yeah, worried? I was, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't so much worried. Like, he caught me on the top of the head and I was like, oh, damn it. Like, we practiced that whole camp, you know, to put your shoulder up and protect it, and then I get caught with that first punch that he throws. Um, and so in the corner, when I go back to, you know, the corner, I'm, like, I'm so sorry. He goes, "Hey, that's boxing. You know, you just got to take it in. Now stay focused, stay focused, and get back to work." So what was that like having that different voice? Like I know you had five weeks with him in camp, but you've had KB in your in your ear for you know nigh on a decade. Certainly through your successful years as a as a pro and becoming world champion, was that was there a moment when you're like, oh man, that's like a different voice. It's not a voice I'm used to. Like what what was that like? It was uh, I think all of it on fight night. It was um, I was calm and I was uh, accepting of it because we practiced it in the sparring phase of camp. 
you know, the sparring phases where I know, I know there was a few times in, in camp where I was sparring and he wasn't, I wasn't really showing things that he was teaching me. It got to the point where he's like, just show me something. Show me something that we're working on. You know, stop being the old Joseph Parker, be the new one that I'm. And then uh, I think from that sort of wake up or that talk, the next sparring camp when John, my brother, arrived into Morecambe and when Kerry arrived, uh, cameraman and my good friend of mine, I showed like nearly everything he taught me. So it's just, I think, hearing him inspiring and, and the training every single day allowed me to be really, I don't know, just more relaxed in the fight. And I know that Kevin was with me for eight years, but it was so nice to have a fresh voice, fresh ideas, fresh ways of training or new ways of training, new methods. It was, it was all good. And we've seen in, we've seen across sport, multiple sports, Joe, where new coaches have come into teams and successful teams and they've they've continued to be successful, but the players have almost been reinvigorated, almost uh, reborn, so to speak. Is that how you felt and how you're feeling now? That, that's exactly how I'm feeling. I, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the old camp. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing, but um, just a new, the whole new setup and new environment, I feel like, oh, I was so happy. I, I don't know. I was just so happy to be, it feels like it's at the beginning of my career again, because it's like, oh, where am I going to stay? What gym am I going to use? What am I going to eat? You know what I mean? All like, in Vegas, I have a setup, a massage therapist, neuromuscular specialist, you know, nutritionist, everything's set up. And I was so used to that for eight years. Then moving to, moving to um, Ireland, moving to the UK, fighting manager, going to London, going back to Ireland, Mexico, now Vegas. So you see, everything's just an adventure and there's a journey and it's exciting. Hey, um, Joe, obviously City Kickboxing is one of the best combat sports gyms in the world right now with several UFC champs. Junior obviously had a great fight with you. Was there was there ever any consideration? I know that Eugene and Doug both have a lot of respect for you as a fighter and as a person. I mean, they definitely think that your personality would fit into their culture. Was there any thought of potentially, hey, maybe I'll try a camp out with CKB and see how it goes? My mind, I didn't really... Uh there wasn't even enough time to even think about that. Like, uh, as soon as the fight was done um, with Junior Far, um, I had a feeling that I, I needed to leave Kevin. And then I called Tyson Fury and he said to me, you know, don't train with this person, train with this person. And then everything just went like five days. I'm on the airplane flying, you know, to Ireland. So, I mean, if I did have more time back home and if I was training back home, probably it would have been a, you know, a possibility to train because, you know, look at the fighters they have. Look at the gym they have. They're very successful uh, Jim, they got fighters on the world stage, junior fire put on a great fight with me. So I think when I'm back in New Zealand, you never know. Like, hey, uh, uh, Uzo, you want to <laughs> <we>, uh, <laughs> do a training <laughs> Hey, um, Joe, like uh, I, I wrote about this in, in my opinion piece, like a lot of people, I, I just want to know if this sort of frustrates you or, or even if you agree with it, that a lot of people, and at the end of the, the Chisora fight, you had a chance to, to finish him. And I know you alluded to this, that maybe you missed that opportunity. Do you get frustrated when people say, oh, Joseph Parker is a good boxer, a great boxer, but he lacks killer instinct to, to finish these fighters off? Do you Do you see where that comes from? I see exactly where it comes from, and you know, everyone has an opinion. And I, uh, maybe they're saying it in a place. Maybe maybe they're saying it out of love, or maybe they're saying it out of just like I don't, maybe they want me to do. Like, they want me to do better. They want me to, you know, go out there and give it everything. You know, and I, I like looking back at the fight now. I'm that twelfth round. Like I don't even know why I stopped myself. Um, <clears throat> you know, after the fight, I did. I had bad issues with my right arm, but that's not like I mean in the fight. When I had momentum, why did I stop? See, I don't even know why I stopped myself. And I guess those are the questions I have to ask myself, you know. When it happens again, 
you know, don't stop. When it happens again, finish them off. Get that killer instinct, you know. I think people are just saying it out of, out of, uh, out of love and out of wanting me to do better. And should you meet Derek again, there's nothing new that he can really bring to the table. A Derek Chisora fight is a Derek Chisora fight. It looks exactly the same. His Alexander Yusek fight looked exactly like your fight did where Yusek took over in the later rounds. So do you feel now that you felt that power, you, you understand how powerful he is, that it gives you even more of an advantage to express yourself in a rematch? I feel in the rematch it'll be different. I feel that um, Derek Chisora will be Derek Chisora. He'll fight one way, he'll keep going forward. He might get stronger, he might get further, but there's no change in his style. He's been like that uh, for, I don't know, his whole career. And even the last few fights he's had, he's, it's the same style. So I think with my improvements, um, I know I can improve and I know I can do better than what I did in that fight. And now that I've had a taste of the power he has, the pressure he brings, um, inside fight game he has, I know I can, you know, I can counter that next time we, we step in the ring together. So you went to the Lamachenko fight yesterday. How good is it seeing Vegas almost getting back to normality with, with people starting to attend these events? And I know casinos are starting to fill up a little bit and just having some normality back in back in people's lives, given what we've all been through for the last two years? Oh, listen, it's great. It's great to see Vegas open up again and be Vegas. You know, I've... I couldn't imagine Vegas being locked down and no one around the strip and all the you know casinos still gambling, <laughs> all that kind of stuff that happens here. But it's great to see, you know, events happening, people being at the events, um, families being at the events to support the, the fighters, you know, the, the, the family and the fighters that are fighting. So, you know, there's a lot more events. You know, Vegas is a place where there's so many events, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be here to attend these events. Um, the, you know, there's the Conor McGregor fight coming up soon, um, you know, next week. Next weekend, yeah. um, should be able to go to that and, and you know attend that, and it'll be a massive crowd. Then there's the Fury fight, and hopefully, uh, if we can secure MIQ back in New Zealand, then he'll be you know hopefully I can get back to New Zealand and see my family. Um, I, I I do see with the Fury card that there's three other heavyweight bouts on there. If you got if, if you can get a contract signed, uh, would you be interested in fighting on Tyson's undercard, um, which they want to oh, be listen, an all heavyweight night? I wanted to fight as soon as the other. Just saw the fight was finished. Um, the hardest part about it is like the, the networks, then you got the promoters, and you got the managers, and everyone has to be on the same page. Um, but if I had the opportunity to fight an undercard, I would have, you know, I would have taken it with both hands. It's uh, I see that there's you know, some of the sparring partners that Tyson has are fighting on the undercard. So hopefully, after a week of training, I can jump in and do some sparring myself. I know you're a big fan of the UFC and we've seen in the last sort of um, six months the problems with boxing with the whole Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, Shamozzle um, and that fight getting called off. Is there part of you that wishes boxing was centralized like the UFC where the best fighters in the world are all competing for the same belt and it actually becomes a simple matter of the number one contender fights for the title? I think the UFC has a great setup. I think boxing can get very confusing and there's politics and, you know, this person can fight this person, or if this person is on the fight, he doesn't have to fight. Whereas the UFC, the best fight the best. You know, there's one belt. And, you know, and that's why we see the best fights in the UFC. But with boxing, it's, um, you know, boxing has been around for a long time, but I think there can be positive changes to be made to make it a better sport for everyone. In a strange way, though, it's kind of benefited you because U6 now getting the title fight with AJ, and you know, should he win that, it's yeah. a fresh, it's a fresh matchup. Alexander Usyk and Joseph Parker, you're right there in the WBO. Is that if you get past Chisora, is that who you'll be targeting next? Um, uh, the winner of that oh, yeah. fight. 
most definitely. I mean, with us being ranked highly in the WBO, I think that's the, the best route to go down. Would be beat Derek in better fashion. And then, you know, after you take a Joshua fight, whoever wins, you know, fight the, the winner of, of them. And how exciting has it been part of this great generation of heavyweights, Joe? I mean, like, look at who's around you. Dillian White, AJ, Tyson, Deontay, yeah. Alexander Yusek, yeah. who people don't even know about yet. And, you know, Ortiz is a great fighter. Like, so many high-quality heavyweights, and you're part of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. You know, I'll be blessed with the talent, boxing, and um, I'm giving everything I, I can for the next three or four years because, you know, I think after three or four years, I'm going to retire and... And I'm gonna be a pilot. No. <laughs> I want to do something else in my life, but for the next three or four years, I'm gonna give it everything I have. And it's just, it's a blessing, and it's so great to be a part of this heavyweight division that's booming at the moment. I mean, there was a time where Klitschko, you know, was the champion, and it wasn't as exciting as it is now. But I think now there can be many exciting fights to be made. Have you thought about maybe being a social media influencer after your uh, COVID experience? <laughs> no, I, I got given, uh, I got an offer to. To jump in a movie in the UK, you know, um, and I was like, they wanted me to to play a retired boxer, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not retired at the moment. So maybe, <laughs> maybe after boxing, I mean, if there's a any opportunity that comes my way, I'll take it. I mean, life is a journey, and life's about trying different things. I, I don't, you know, just gotta try everything that comes your way. Yeah. All right. And so you're obviously looking forward to going to the Conor McGregor fight. Uh, what, how do you think a big rematch for him? I, I know you're not a MMA fighter, but I'm, I'm sure you followed the first fight, or the second fight when Dustin knocked I followed him out. the first one. Um, and followed how do you think one. how do you think Conor will go in the rematch? I'm sure you're a Conor fan, no doubt. Oh, Conor fan. I met him once. I haven't met Poirier, but uh, I feel and I keep in touch with his coach, um, his boxing coach from Ireland. So. I feel he's taking this fight a lot more seriously than he did before. I, I think he takes every fight serious, but that that, that second fight was it was a uh, it was different seeing him, you know, being knocked out like that. You know, but Dustin did, uh, did a good job. It's exciting. <laughs> I can't wait to go. And final question from me: We've seen a lot of. Um MMA fighters jumping into the boxing realm with these Logan Paul fights and whatever. Could you ever see yourself standing opposite Francis Ngannou inside a boxing ring? <laughs> No, nah. oh man, I'll stick to boxing. I know what I'm good at, and that's boxing. I, I don't know how to kick. You know, imagine being Albert in the head. Um, you know, I, I, those guys, are next level. I couldn't imagine myself doing that. So, that's why I'm a big fan of the UFC, a big fan of our fighters that are representing us on a real stage. And but I couldn't do it myself. And just um, actually, final question: thoughts on what Israel Adesanya's done for combat sports in New Zealand in terms of raising the profile, winning the Halberg Award, which I know he was bemused that you didn't win that nod when you won the heavyweight title of the world. But um, you know, he gave a shout out to you during the acceptance yeah, yeah, speech, gives, and, and you know, he's he's really brought it to the mainstream. I feel like he's uh, he's doing New Zealand proud. And you know, he's from, you know, he's uh, your African background, so he's doing them proud as well. And his family, uh, I feel like he's given he's given New Zealand a recognition um, that we deserve as combat fighters. You know, mostly for the UFC, but you know, they got isn't their gym probably the best gym, you know, with the most sort of one of the know, best in the world. One of the best in the world for top fighters in the UFC. So um, I'm very proud of him and the team and everyone at the you know City Kickboxing. And it'll be great to do some work with them when I get back to New Zealand.
All right, Joe, hey, man, this has been awesome to talk to you again. Thank you, bro, for uh, having a chat with us um, and all the best um, for the rest of the, your time in Vegas. How long are you spending there? I'm here until Tyson fights, and then if we can get back to New Zealand, we'll come back. If we can't, then we'll just, we'll and, just and, figure out where to go from here. And, and Tyson to get the nod in that fight, you think? I think Tyson will get the nod. I mean, Walter, one punch can change everything. We saw that in the first fight. Um, Tyson's very well aware of, you know, Wilder's power, but he's got confidence from that last fight. The Fight Club Podcast. Heavy hitters. And a big thanks to Joseph Parker for making himself available. Absolute gentleman. Thoroughly enjoyed that chat. Uh, and the good news is, and no promises, uh, but Joe's going to do his best to try and get us Tyson Fury. So uh, hopefully watch this space on that. It'd be great to have the um, the heavyweight kingpin the on the Fight King. Club podcast. Yeah, he'd probably call me a tosser um, when I'm talking to him, but I can handle <laughs> that'd be, that. That'd be great. I can handle that. I would that. love to be called a tosser by Tyson Fury. Interesting footy, and, and you actually um, sort of pointed me in the direction of that question about his nice guy image and the lack of a killer instinct. He acknowledged that, and certainly looking back at the Derek Chisora fight, Joe admitting that, he was almost like watching the fight and then questioning why he didn't attack Derek in the 12th round there when he had him on the ropes and and Derek clearly was ready to go. Yeah, you got to love the honesty from Joseph. I yeah. mean, you know, he's humble to a fault and he, you know, he'll, he'll call a spade a spade and yeah, interesting to hear him sort of really acknowledge that. And it's something that, you know, can you really foster something like that? Can you can you really add killer instinct when mm. you don't really have that in you innately? Um, and, you know, you, ha- you have a lot of these guys who are super nice people outside the ring or the cage and then they can come in and flick the switch. Um, but has Joe ever really had that switch, I guess? You know, you could you could ask that question. Obviously, he does to a certain extent, but, you know, that's been the, the, the main gripe with him in terms of, you know, with lots of Kiwi fight fans and, and combat sports fans in general. Um, it's interesting, man, right? Because like you see it, but... You, you look at Brad Riddell, he's an intense guy to interview, mm. and he's the same dude in the cage, <laughs> yeah, right? True. Yeah, true. You know, and, and yeah. Dan Hooker's very similar. Dan Hooker, not so much in a, as intense as Brad Riddell, but, you know, I kind of, you know, you can see his, his fight IQ and his fight um, self sort of when you interview him. Yeah. Um, he's got whereas, the same focus to his answers as he would in the. In correct. The, in the as he's very. Di- but, and, and as he in interviews flows through interviews like he flows through Ooh, fights, okay. right? Where, yeah, he doesn't, true, where right. he doesn't give a crap about what anyone's listening. But you're right. Um, you know, but, you know, Joe acknowledging there are issues there, but also that it's something he's working on. I found it really interesting when he talked about um, having that different voice in the corner and how he feels reignited and reinvigorated with Andy Lee and gave big props to Kevin Barry for what he'd done for his career. But, having that new voice with those with with the new techniques and and the little things that Andy Lee slowly implementing into into his game um and the confidence that Joe has that he's going to wipe the floor of Derek Chisora when they meet a second time um which is hopefully what will happen because He's seen everything that Derek Chisora can do. A Derek Chisora fight looks the same. Go back and look at his Carlos Tackham fight, his Dillian White fights, his Alexander Yusik fights, the, the Joseph Parker fight. That is Derek Chisora to a T. Attack, attack, and attack, and then hopefully last out the last four or five rounds, and he's got far enough ahead if he doesn't knock you out. Whereas Joseph, you know, he believes he's going to be a very different fighter with a different mindset um, under uh, under a new ma- new coach, so to speak, um, more polished under Andy Lee the next time they fight. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, watch the space on that. Um, Joe, hopefully, uh, David Higgins working on a contract for Joe outside of the ring at the moment. Looks like they will re-sign with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing, although I do understand 
that there is an offer on the table from uh, top rank as well, which is Tyson Fury's manager and Bob Arum. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, okay, Footy, uh, the fights on the weekend in terms of the UFC. Oh, firstly, also, um, good to see Vasily Lomachenko back in the winner's column, one of the best pound-for-pound boxers in the world, um, as he looks to uh, get back the, the loss from earlier in the year. Okay, uh, the UFC. Uh, the heavyweight division is kind of an interesting place right now uh, with Francis Ngannou as champion and we're looking for fresh matchups um, I know that Derek Lewis is next and then potentially John Jones after that um, but Cyril Gaines definitely there Cyril Gagne Cyril Gaines Cyril Gane, however you want to say it I think it's it. yeah mm. uh, he's an interesting interesting prospect trains with Francis Ngannou as well which is quite quite cool very polished striker he's shown he's got leg locks on the ground um, hasn't shown that so much in his last two fights but Alexander Volkov has looked extremely impressive in his last four fights on the streak that he's on, and and he's looked great, um, and and also you know basically was to a point where he had Derek Lewis on the ropes and got knocked out in the final sort of frame of of that fight, which was a shame for him. Otherwise, he'd be on a six fight win streak right now. But Cyril Gain just completely shut him out. Shut him out, man. I mean, the the guy is kind of cut from a different cloth. Mm. I think he's probably one of the most exciting prospects in the heavyweight division. Like just. Look at the, his his output at heavyweight is just unbelievable. Yeah. I think it's unmatched. I, I can't think of anyone who throws as many shots as as he does. Um, everything crisp. You, you kind of see the influence. He's got that MM, uh, that sort of Muay Thai kickboxing background to mm. fall back on. Um, and man, he, he, Volkov just didn't know where the next shot was coming from. Uh, Gang was just mixing it up from all angles. Uh, completely overwhelmed him. There's a case there for a 50-45 shutout. And man, I think he he almost had enough there to kind of jump the queue a bit. I think. I mean, Dana's kind of put it, said pretty clearly it's Derek Lewis next. I'm I'm much more interested in seeing a Garn versus Ngannou matchup. Um, and you got to think that's on the cards. Mm-hmm. The guys have some shared history together. They've trained a bit together. I'm sure they'd be happy to put that aside. And and you can tell Garn's up for the challenge. So, man, super excited to see him back in the cage again. And you know he's only had sort of three or four fights in the UFC so far. Yeah. Already got guys like JDS Junior Dos Santos on his on his, on his resume. Rosenstrike. Um, and man, the, the guys just. It, he, he's he's kind of broken the mold a bit, I think, for the heavyweights, and it's just great to see someone who's, you know, a, a lot of the time we've got these guys who are throwing power punches, one-off shots, chasing KOs all the time. Derek Lewis is a tad like that, yeah. And the, and to see this guy come in who fights almost like a, point a featherweight, yeah. almost, you know, where, where he's just throwing bun- punches and bunches combinations and mixing things up with kicks and um, man there's so much potential there right so really interesting uh, listening to Dar- uh, to, to Cyril after the fight and was asked by Anthony Smith who's a very good analyst actually really enjoy what he brings to the UFC's coverage um, the UFC lightweight contender as Cyril said uh, you know I just need to work on my power he, he feels <laughs> yeah. that the rest of his game is there uh, you know like he said you know no one's seen my ground game my ground game you know when I was, mm. was out during COVID, like, you know, really worked on his ground game. He's got a leg lock submission, a couple of submissions throughout his career, um, but just said, you know, the one thing I need to work on is delivering the most power I can from my punches and my kicks. So, you know, like that's the, I guess that's the string to his bow that he's looking for is that sort of end of fight with one punch knockout power that Ngano and Derek Lewis has. Yeah. And then Cyril Game will be a real big problem for these guys. And he's the type of guy, footy, that... You know, if John Jones doesn't get an immediate title fight, that's the kind of guy that you want to see John Jones go up mm. against, like a real test for Jones at heavyweight to find out can he take the the shots with these guys. And Cyril Gunn's very athletic, um, he's well rounded, and he pro- he would pose a problem for John to solve. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting when you look at the heavyweight landscape at the moment. I mean, it, it's not very there's there's not that sort of grappling wrestler 
um, sort of influence that they used to be. Cain Velasquez. So it's almost catered-made yeah. for, for a guy like Gunn to come in and say, hey, I'm not going to have to worry too much about takedown defense and, and that sort of thing, you know, especially for someone who's coming out of a sort of an, a Muay Thai kickboxing mm-hmm. background. There's not so much of a concern about that. He can feel a bit more comfortable letting his hands go. And they're kind of comparable to anyone in the division. He obviously doesn't have that power. He almost looks like he could be a light heavyweight, you know, his he frame. Does. His does. He's um, not the tallest guy in the world. But, but hey, also for the USC, uh, great for the heavyweight division to see a guy like this come through. And you, you, you got to think, like, Dana's pretty stoked to see someone like this, a French guy, considering where the landscape, or well, where France is at at the moment with MMA, you know, they've only just legalized it to, to be able to sort of carry him, have, have, have Ghan carry the flag into France. Um, that, that'd be also uh, r- pretty big. huge. Yeah. Uh, so y- you're right. Like, the heavyweight division is missing that Cain Velazquez, Fabrizio Verdum, sort yeah. of Brock Lesnar, the. the the one that wants to take it to the ground there, you know, like that there isn't that obvious threat out there, which is good for strikers. I guess John Jones could end up being that person. Mm. I mean, we've seen Miocic lean on that before. Cormier's gone now, of course. So yeah, interesting times in the heavyweight division. I guess we're all kind of just waiting to see what John Jones does. Like, you yeah. know, it's, hey, without putting the division on on uh, hold, he kind of is because everyone's sort of, you know, we know we're probably going to get Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou, which is a great matchup. Uh, but yeah, we're kind of wanting to see who is John Jones going to fight? Is it going to be for the title? Because if it's not, then, you know, Cyril Garn's got another obstacle um, before he gets to a title fight. Mm. So You get the sense they're not holding their breath for Jones anytime soon no. as well. So, you know, that, that, I think the heavyweight division is going to carry on regardless. I don't think there's going to be too much stalling while we wait for Jones to make a decision. But, uh, you know, it's looking pretty healthy there at the moment. I tell you who I dig footy is Tanner Bosa. Tanner uh, Bosa, yeah. I think he's one of these guys that sort of made a name for himself in the COVID era, uh, is what I'll call it, where he won a couple of fights on the prelims, got onto a main card, won a couple of fights. Uh, he came up short in his last two fights, dropped a split against Ila Latifi, and uh, was really underwhelming in the biggest fight of his career against Andre Olofsky, where Olofsky kind of outpointed him. Um, that was, you know, and he self-admittedly had, you know, admitted that um, that was well below par. But uh, for Ovin Simpru, who's, you know, who's, who's a light heavyweight jumping up to heavyweight, but is a big guy, and yep, there was the fence grab. But before that takedown in the second round, um, Tanabosa was just taking Ovin to, to school with strikes. And you talk about the offensive output of Cyril Gain, Gunn, Tanabosa throws punches and bunches, throws to kill, and he looks to have the cardio of a middle or a welterweight as well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He does have that same kind of accuracy. But, um, man, I think it was backing up on like 21 days as well. Yeah, I just, dig, like I just dig his style. He's just in your face uh, and, you know, missing that tooth, that front uh, tooth. And, uh, yeah, got, got a bit of the Canadian mullet going on. I just I, – I enjoy, I enjoy what he brings to the table and just another exciting – you know, it doesn't have the greatest record in the world. I think he's at 19 and 8 now. But, you know, like uh, you're only as good as your last fight. Funny and- enough, he's actually fought Cyril Gunn. He has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that because kind of awkwardly in the press conference afterwards, um, a reporter said, hey, how would you feel about the prospect of fighting a Cyril yeah. And he said, actually, you know, we've fought him before. Yeah. And there was just a really awkward silence. And, you know, that's kind of my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, the UFC takes a break this week. Uh, and then uh, basically we're waiting in anticipation for Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier 3. Um, we will dive deep into that uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Footy, we're two weeks out. Your gut feeling, maybe just you know, without giving me a fight preview, like what what are your thoughts around this fight? Oh man, I don't know. I had to recollect them again and regather them. I guess. I mean, I'm I'm definitely leaning towards Priory again. I'm mm. uh, fairly convincingly, um, in all honesty. But yeah. Hey, 
and I'm happy for him. Take that payday. Get that yeah. payday, then go back and get the title. Yeah, and he's a great – Charles Oliveira is a great matchup for Dustin Poirier. If he can get past this fight, um, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if Justin Gaethje gets the title of the first title fight against mm. Charles Oliveira. But, um, you know – and No, they, haven't they said that the Conor McG- the McGregor Poirier winner gets the first shot? Well, that just I guess it depends on who comes. They have said that, but mm. you know with the UFC, I guess it depends on who comes out of that, whether or not they're injured or not. Like, um, kind of feel that – you know, despite the fact that Gates dropped his last fight against Habib, like he's he's still the he's still for me the second best lightweight in the world at the time. So uh, yeah, you know, I'd like I'd like to see Gates get the nod, um, but that's just you know that's just my personal preference. Yeah. I feel like we haven't seen Justin for a while. We need some, more, we need some more Gaethje in need, our life. I need some Gaethje in my life. Gaethje versus Chandler is a dream fight. Ooh, yeah. That's yeah. going to happen. It will happen. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's that's where they go next. Mm. All right. It's a pleasure as always, Footy. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the Joseph Parker interview. Um, more on Joseph on newsub.co.nz uh, with um, basically everything we took out of that interview. Nice little article there for you, so check that out. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll, we'll be back on board next week. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe Tyson Fury on the Fight Club podcast. No promises. Um, we are also due to catch up with the CKB guys um, after they get out of isolation. So um, we'll see if we can uh, wrangle in um, either Brad or, or unlikely Izzy on the show here on the Fight Club podcast. Footy, thanks very much. Thank you, Brad. You've been listening to the Fight Club podcast. Like and subscribe at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more, check us out at newshub.co.nz slash podcasts.